And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. And welcome to another brand new edition of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And uh, right off the bat, Philip, you know, we just, uh, we're just talking about this. We just released our last episode after the election, talking about the candidates. Uh, we're both so busy, but uh, congratulations. Let's, let's congratulate the winner, Parthi uh, Candival. He's, uh, he's your Ward 20 city councillor. What do you have to say to him? If you could, if you could speak to him right now, what would you say? And and anything else you want to say? So here's here's what I'll say. First of all, a, a genuine hearty congratulations to Parthi. You know, when I was when I was running municipally last year, uh, Parthi was of course one of the candidates I was going up against. And one of the things that I feel like made it hard while I was running was that I genuinely liked a lot of my competition. It was, you know, Parthi, Kevin, Corey, like I, I really was tight with those guys. Like, well, you know, maybe, maybe more in my mind than in their minds, you know, we were competitors, but, but I really liked them. But now, so I'm genuinely happy that Parthi is our council. Okay. Last week's episode, or rather our last episode where we talked about the candidates, I didn't end up endorsing anyone who I meant to endorse. <laughs> I meant to endorse Kevin Rupesing. Uh, We're just very aligned, I feel like, ideologically and politically. Uh, you know, and he's a good guy who I've been chatting with, you know, a lot of the, this whole process, you know. So I really believed in Kevin. Uh, he came in second. He increased his vote share despite the, the larger number of people running. So, you know, great accomplishment. Parthi... Parthi has a lot of very good attributes to him. I do believe he will be a more receptive counselor than Gary Crawford was. I do know that he's um, not going to be an ally in terms of, I want to say, cycling infrastructure. And I also do believe that he will need to be pushed in terms of affordable housing. Otherwise, I think can he's... I, can I jump in for a second? I yeah, don't think I asked you this question, but where is he aligned politically? Uh, is, um, is there, does he have a party affiliation, even loosely based? I I never asked that question. I would say, um, I would say he's somewhere in between NDP and Liberal. Like he's definitely more on the progressive side than, um, like he I, during the all candidates uh, uh, debate thing that I had went to, he very much like. Um, nonchalantly acknowledged that rising taxes are probably a reality not not saying that he's pushing for them because he wants them he's more pragmatic you know what i mean yeah so i, I do maybe maybe centrist maybe liberal is uh what i want to go with here but you know i so there are those aspects of party that i do know but that's the thing about my my perhaps naive image of politics. You know, when we have people who are supposed to have different positions politically, 
you think the idea is supposed to be everyone's working for people's best interests and it's just a different a difference of opinion of what you think is best for people you know what i mean so in my mind i do feel like parthi is well-intentioned that's that's where i'm landing on with parthi and absolutely and you know what um fresh start and uh hopefully he can knock it out of the park and and make an impact so that come 2026 if you know obviously he'll he'll probably run for re-election it, it might be an easier time for him um i don't know what that means for you but you don't have to answer that right now you can answer that no 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 we've got we've got three years of <laughs> you know ramp up time uh more specifically two years to chill and one year to really get it together and be like elections coming let's let's figure this out let's do this absolutely um now parthi has also mentioned that he's very committed to having a a constituency office in the ward uh i'm very excited about that possibility and i am assuming i'm assuming gary crawford didn't have one so what's interesting is uh, Gary Crawford had a constituency office. It was just at the Scarborough Town Center, which is very much not in Scarborough Southwest, the ward. So a bit cheating, but apparently that's better than uh, some counselors like uh, Diane Sachs, who doesn't have a uh, who doesn't have a constituency office one year post-election. Apparently, Shelley Carroll has never had a constituency office. Apparently, it's just not uh, required. So I do know that as as much as I I disagree with him politically, uh, Vincent Crisanti, Ward 1 counselor, does does have one. I drive by it every day. And I think that's important. You know, it's it's you're you're representing the constituents of your ward. I think it's important to have a constituency office. I wonder if your boy if your boy Bradford has one. That's a good question. One of these days, it'd be so, again, it'd be so funny if maybe it's been a while since the election. Maybe he's forgotten that I've been a little bit of a turd to him the whole time and continuing to be a bit of a turd to him on the internet right now. The next time he has a a, a public event at his constituency office, we should go. That'd be so fun. <laughs> can you imagine? It's the Brad Bradford. We could just call it the Brad Bradford segment. Right. Oh. Brad Bradford chats. That'd be funny. Well, before we get too deep into the weeds, um, you know, there are some non-political stuff. I just want to breeze. I don't know if you saw the news yesterday and all weekend. We were waiting for the phenom to arrive in Toronto. (laughs) The plane. Mr. Shohei Otani. And he's not coming. Toronto did not sign him. He signed for uh, with the Dodgers. For a record 10 years, $700 million. Wow. Now, Matthew, I feel like that's more way up your alley. I've, you know, as a participant of, you know, Toronto politics, Twitter. Yes, obviously, I was aware of this, this plane situation, because, of course, there's more than one Toronto Maple Leafs fan as a part of Toronto political Twitter, if you believe it or not. Um, And so there are so many people on plane watch. And I'm just I'm so curious what what, what is even that, started that? What, what is it? What does that entail? Do they do they hang out at the airport with binoculars? <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me because uh, I'm just like, how did people even know this guy was on a plane going somewhere? Where did I think of, like uh, this was MLB related? Like, it just seems so, crazy to me. So the way I heard it is 
Um, they check the, the plane arrival times. I don't know how you can get access to information on private planes arriving, uh, but apparently that that's that's how it happened. And the private plane arriving, it was not Shohei Otani. Uh, we didn't get him, so we just have to move on. Uh, I'm sure the Blue Jays <laughs> will figure something else out. Um, my opinion is they should fire the entire front office, but people were so who, excited. They were so excited. So I got another story for you, uh, not sports related, but uh, you remember, you remember I went to North Carolina last year. Yes. So I'm a big. Uh, I can't help it. I'm a big fan of um, the television show One Tree Hill. That's classic. And we went to Wilmington as part of our trip. And there is a store in Wilmington. It probably did some of the scenes um, in the show. And they are selling One Tree Hill. uh, Well, and Austin's Creek, but One Tree Hill specifically uh, memorabilia. So I don't know if you've ever seen a episode, a minute of a episode of this show. But I, th- I think the weird thing for me is I feel like because that was One Tree Hill was sort of a early mid 2000 show, right? Yeah, it started in 2003. I feel like I have this weird tendency to like correlate that kind of show together with like the OC with like um, uh, there's another show that I'm thinking of that was like it was a reality show. But it, obviously it was fiction, but it was um, not Jersey Shore, not Jersey Shore. But I have a I have a I have a spot in my heart for the meatballs at the Jersey Shore. Um, No, the reason I'm saying so in the first season, Chad Michael Murray, one of the things he wears very often in every episode is a sweatshirt. And on the back, it says Keith Scott Auto Body Shop. So when I was in North Carolina, I bought that shirt. I bought the sweater. So I'm in Giant Tiger the other day, and and I have the sweatshirt on, and I'm just you know I'm there shopping, um with I I was there with uh, one of my kids and and his mother, and all of a sudden I'm like, excuse me, sir, I I hear excuse me, sir, you watch that show, and I, and I <laughs> I'm like excuse me, she's like, One Tree Hill, and I'm like oh yeah yeah I got it in North Carolina. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I it tickled me to because uh, you know I I wear the sweatshirt and I'm like, let's see how long it takes. It took over a year for someone to say something, but you know, actually, I'd like to take a a moment ourselves. You know, we've we've got a few weeks, you know, without chatting. Uh, we were supposed to record last week. You had a a, a thing, an operation thing. Uh, I don't know. Is it what is operation? Is that too deep a word? Dental no, procedure? It, is that no, more it, accurate? Well, it's it's a dental procedure that I denied. Uh, so what <laughs> happened? Was, what do you mean you denied it? So okay, so I had my wisdom tooth problem. So I went to the dentist, and uh, they took the X ray. Oh my god! Do you, can I ask? Is this too personal? I'm going to ask anyway. No, I listen. When's I don't the last time so. you've been to the dentist? Oh my god. Um. Oh no, Matthew. Listen, it's been a this while. Is, uh, yes. Um I I feel as if I maybe don't want to say a, a concrete number here. It's okay. So I have a gagging issue. I can't do the x-ray because I gag. I can't oh. help it. 
it just even just talking about it right now makes me want to throw up. There's something about that, like the soft thing that you put between your teeth that like. No, no, I'm talking about the thing they want to put in the mouth. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm talking about my own problem. <laughs> oh. I, I hear where you're coming from. So so they managed to do the x-ray. They put me in front of this machine where I just bit down on the front and they took a picture of, of the whole shebang rather than just the area. So they found uh, a piece of a broken tooth that was next to my wisdom tooth that was actually causing the problem. And they're like, well, to remove it, we're going to have to cut into your gums and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen today. We're not doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so suffice to say, I mean, it hasn't hurt in what, five, six, seven days. Let's, you know, knock on wood that, uh, that it doesn't start hurting again. So, you know, it's, it's, it, you don't poke the bear if the bear's not bothering you. You leave it alone. Right. That's right. I so, mean, that, that, I do feel like that is the the lower income medical solution. <laughs> so we didn't record because I was uh, prepping for surgery. And because I wasn't working that next day, I was actually I had I, I was dragged into plans. So that's part of uh, the other part of the reason that I wasn't uh, available to record. So that's my bad. And I'm sorry. <clears throat> Anything so else? in those three weeks, I, I'll, you know, this is just my, you know, while you got to talk a, a little bit of a One Tree Hill segment, the last three weeks, we've uh, gotten a friendly return of one of my uh, extraordinarily nerdy uh, pastimes. Uh, Doctor Who came back with uh, three. <laughs> exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. Three weeks, three specials. Um very often, even shows that I'm interested in, like I, I take a while to catch up on shows and I come back to it weeks later. No, no. Day of day of launch. I'm watch I've watched each of the episodes. Really enjoyed them. Very happy to get more nerdy shit. I just uh you know, it's a good weekend. And I just thought, you know, we're throwing some personal bits in there. Might as well talk about my excitement for new who. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I just, it's, it, it has been a while. Um, and, uh, it's just nice to be able to sit down and talk with you again. Um, hopefully, you know, when things calm down, I'm thinking by February 1st, we should probably go back to weekly Ooh, weekly. Hell yeah. But, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll discuss that afterwards. Um, getting to our first thing I wanted to talk about, I think this will be brief. But, but maybe we can sink our teeth into this. So I want to talk about the possibility. We talked about this a few weeks ago, about the possibility of uh, a federal election before 2025. Uh, the possibility that the liberal NDP coalition is in some trouble. Um, because the way that I've heard it, and correct me if I'm wrong, the uh one of the one of the key planks to them agreeing to work together, the coalition, was to have a national pharmacare rolled out by the end of 2023. Philip, we're we're upon that. We are upon the end of 2023. So I guess what I'm what I'm asking, and I, and I want to hear what you have to say. I've got my own thoughts, but I I, I mean people want to hear what you have to say. Is, is Jagmeet Singh going to pull the plug on this coalition and therefore possibly triggering an early election 
because the national pharmacare was not meant. And, you know, I I, I just before you go, I just want to be honest, like our audience knows I don't like Jagmeet Singh. I actually can't stand him. However, I would agree with the national pharmacare plan. I mean, I can't I can't imagine someone who wouldn't agree with that idea. But anyway, love to hear what you have to say on this subject. So I'm going to start very clearly by saying Jagmeet Singh. How do I, how do I want to phrase this? He's listen, he's not going to pull the plug over this. And a part of it is cowardice. A part of it is strategic and not even simply the, the cynical strategic. I know a lot of people kind of push the idea that, you know, he's holding on tight as long as possible to get, uh, you know, his, what is it called? Not severance. Uh, severance. Bonus? That that word that people are, when you're when you're there for six years and then you retire and you know you'll get pension. Pension. Sorry. I, oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm so... oh, 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 back up, back up. Pump the brakes. A, a federal MP, uh, 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 what's the word you just said? Uh, pension. Pension is six years? I believe so, yeah. We're in the wrong line of work, Philip. Listen, you <laughs> listen. We already we already know that you and I we're fully aware. Um, so I don't buy into that kind of like cynical framing of it. At the same time, perhaps that could be part of it. But ultimately, the thing that I've said to other people is I understand why conservative partisans want the NDP to drop the agreement so that an election happens. But it doesn't... At this moment, the NDP in a coalition with the federal liberals... Now, I'm sure the NDP wishes that they had a less embarrassing federal partner to work with right now. And at the same time, I'm sure a lot of the NDP like lower-end party members wish they had a less embarrassing party leader to work with. So I mean, hey, no one's happy here except that <laughs> except the people who voted liberal or NDP. And this is this is the most power the NDP has gotten federally as far as I can tell ever. And so this is the best chance they have to push their policies. Like as as you've pointed out, the liberals have failed here because they haven't got you know, at least the framework for a pharmacare program. But I, I just, I don't think it's in the NDP's best interest to throw the country. Essentially, here's, I think what you and I probably agree on and what's realistic. The moment we go to an election is the end of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I, I was waiting for that. Um, And the thing is, Again, I do feel like a lot of commentators frame it as the NDP being selfish and like, you know, cynical. But again, this is this is the most likely they'll get to having NDP policies established federally. Except uh, that it's not happening. I I listen. That's oh God. I think here's the thing. I think if we get to the point where, for example, we reach a federal election whether that's 2024 or 2025 and the disability um, payments haven't started, you know what I'm talking about? The disability uh, program. 
Uh, if those haven't started by the election and that becomes an election issue, I honestly believe that everyone should absolutely drop their faith in this liberal party because they voted to, I, I know we're, we're supposed to be talking about the pharma care program in general. My position on the federal liberals is that I don't think they are the, the worst evil, but the problem is again, if, these positions that they have, they right now they've got the liberal NDP coalition. They have the confidence right now to push these policies through. So if we get to an election and they're like, listen, you need to elect us for us to give you this disability. Fuck you. Absolutely. And I'll just uh, I'll go off by what you're saying. The only I disagree with you on on one issue where you I believe. What did you say? You 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 haven't. You, the the Liberal Party's not the worst party. It's you know when people talk about they're voting the lesser of two evils. Yes. Uh. So in my mind, and again, I I understand that you have a different position. I'm not interested in demonizing anyone who has a different position than me. Um. But in my, I've said it before. I've said it on the show. I'm pretty sure I am partisan. But most of the time when people are partisan, they're partisan for a party. My partisanship is anti one party. So, I mean, I've said it before. I'm a big advocate of change, not change for change sake. Change when something isn't working. Like Trudeau's, good change. <clears throat> Trudeau's been in office since 2015. It's not working. And the longer that Jagmeet Singh and the NDP hang on as well, I don't think you put it that way, but I will. <clears throat> Sorry for this cough. Um, as long so, what the fuck was I saying? Uh, as long as uh, like the the longer they hang on, they're just guaranteeing, if not a majority, at at minimum, a conservative minority oh, government. I. Personally, I wish we could get a conservative minority, and that's not simply because, as I just said, I'm partisan against the conservatives and would like some checks on their... Actually, I think the main thing is, I think I think federally and provincially, we should always want minority governments. I know they're harder to work with, they're slower to work through, especially when partisans are so, like, sniping at each other and they make bills harder to pass... But I think it's good things when these parties have like checks on their powers and they have to sort of work together with other parties. I am not excited about the idea of a federal conservative majority given free reign. You know what I mean? Let me throw something to you because I just thought of this. It could be stupid or it could be brilliant. Love to know your thought. I love it. What if we developed a law in Canada where similar to the US one party can only govern for 4 years and at the end of that 4 years uh the next party to govern will be uh, uh, obviously a voting contest between the next the other two parties okay and then they win or whatever party wins and then their 4 years is up and then the other two parties who who uh who are not the government People vote for them to see who will the next one be. It doesn't guarantee that all three parties 
will be government. No. But um, it guarantees more than one government, and it caps it at four years. Is that stupid, or is that fucking brilliant? It's I'm okay. Of, it's, I, it's, I, it's okay I, if you... It's... The main thing I do want to say, it's not... Actually, I think it gets to a, a very important point that I think, well, most of the country agrees on, because... Uh, despite the narrative that Justin Trudeau was elected purely on uh, marijuana legalization, there is one other huge platform plank that he dropped the ball on almost immediately. And that's electoral reform. And that's what you're talking about, Matthew. You're specifically talking about electoral reform. And I, I do wonder, not not that I... Because it's cynical and it's like it's very it's the worst form of politics. I hate doing it just because things are looking bad for them. But I I do wonder if electoral reform would work as like a hail mary for the federal liberals. I mean, probably probably not. I mean, at that point, it, like I think everyone would cynically see through it and be like, "You you saw the polls weren't looking good for you, and now you're deciding to do that thing that you promised back in 2015." Come on, my dude. I mean, Doug Ford did the same thing to guarantee that he won the election this past year. What did he do? He took away the the, the fee that you pay when you. Yeah. When you oh, the, your the license, license sticker. Yeah. That. Oh, sticker, that made yeah. me so mad. Actually, that was that was one of uh, so many things inspired me to run last year. But like the the conservative candidate for the Ontario election in my writing um Brett Snyder was his name. And one of the things he he had was he put these signs up through the ward. Uh, I guess they were effectively his campaign signs, but they didn't look like them. They were just signs that said, um, you know, thanks, Doug Ford, for the vehicle rebate thing. And I remember seeing those and just thinking very publicly, I wish I could have said, Doug Ford, where's my bribe? I don't have a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Even and of course that's what? at that point I was still supporting him when that happened. Yeah. And but even even though I was still supporting him, I I looked at my uh my friend when I got my check in the mail and I said he's just buying votes. He just paid for his win, his election. And I I feel like what what to me and I don't know if if you would agree or disagree. But I, I felt like this particular rebate really sort of, in my mind, showed the power of taxes, okay? Because $100 every year for an individual who can already afford to have a car, that's it's not... A, it's 120 for two years, I believe. That's that's even better than what yeah. my math was. Yeah. But it's, um you know... That comes up to, I believe, and I guess it, maybe it's every two years. Maybe my math is wrong. No, no, you, but can, pay, out... you, you can pay for the one year. I believe the one year is like 60 something dollars. Oh, okay. But it's like, I think they had said that the revenue, the tax revenue lost was like a billion dollars annually. And I, I, in my mind, this was such a good, easy way to show the positive the positive correlation of taxes because for each individual that's that's a very doable amount of money but to lose a billion dollars for taxes for the government that's so much money now again not that i particularly trust this government to use our taxes very well but you know you take that revenue source away 
you'll never be able to re-implement that. That's just a revenue source loss. Well, until the next government comes in and, and puts it back into place. Well, I just Let's I feel like it, it's it's a I feel like it's a it's political suicide. Obviously not. He won. No, 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 but he won by taking it away. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you can't to bring it back. Point, you is, can't, I see. Yes, I see what you're that's saying. That's what I'm saying. To yeah, bring yeah, it back yeah, is yeah. Political suicide. So to bring it back federally, I believe I've asked you this question probably repeatedly. You might get sick of this question, but with this new light, this 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 pharmacare uh, uh, not coming through. If if we were to face an early election, is the result in question, and 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 more so. Is there a difference if we don't have an early election and the result is in 2025, is the result the same or is that in question as well? Go ahead. I think here's the thing. Two two big points I think I, I ultimately want to make about this. Uh one being despite the fact that I've said to you, and I understand the polls, the polls that say that. Canadians, ultimately, here's here's my read on the polls. Canadians are sick of Justin Trudeau, and they want a different leader. That makes sense to me. Completely fine. Two factors here. Uh, the polls really don't mean much without an election happening. Because they the leaders will campaign differently. They'll convince people differently. Uh, people might change their mind during an election. Like right now it's very comfortably everyone's feeling uh, a very harrowing, like things are hard. Um, leadership isn't doing anything about it. There's a potential chance. There is a, at the moment, the election is the conservatives to lose. I think when I say that, I'm implying that they're in, they're in it to win it. You know what, what I mean? What I'm like, hearing, and I hate to say this because I'm not sold on him, uh, I do think he's entertaining. <laughs> what you're saying is that uh, Pierre Polyev, he's the blue Avenger. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's what I was getting at. That's exactly what I was going to say, Matthew. I, Pierre Polyev is the blue Avenger. <laughs> but um, but the thing is, there is a chance that. Um, the longer it goes without an election, the longer uh, Pierre sort of is known by Canadians. It's it's. I'm saying this. I want to say this as neutrally as possible. Giving more time for Canadians to actually know Pierre Polyev, that's a mixed bag. It you know it um, it could help him. It could hurt him. But actually, the way I see it, the polls, I kind of feel like the conservatives have maxed out their support at the polls. I don't know if they get higher than uh, 42%, which, to be clear, is an insanely good uh, showing at 42%. That's, you know, uh, when people talk about the conservatives not winning the plurality of votes, I mean, we consider the fact that the liberals and the NDP are sort of uh, viewed very similarly by the electorate. And, you know, combined sort of they get the mandate of the Canadian people. But the conservatives are approaching just on their own. 
getting a mandate. And that's very interesting. Absolutely. Um, I say interesting, but I don't like it, but, <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, we can't have it my way, right? We can't have everyone be independent. Unfortunately, we're dealing with party politics in Canada. Um, that's just the way it is. It's the way it was. And it's the way it's, it's going to be. That's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, were you paying attention to the, um, to the, uh, what was it? I think it was like 1200 amendments, uh, the conservative kind of scheme to to try to get the liberal party to vote down the carbon tax. Did you pay attention to any of that? No. Why don't you uh, freshen our audience up? We got about six minutes. <laughs> um, so basically the conservatives were trying to get the liberals to either drop the carbon tax or force them to work through the winter by essentially forcing a bunch of amendments uh to go through, I can't remember what bill specifically it was, but uh, basically they were trying to slow them down by keeping them in the House of Commons overnight uh, marathon voting session. Honestly, it was an embarrassing show for everyone. Uh, Pierre Polyev scooted off to be a hero, uh, you know, and not in the House of Commons to commit to the scheme. All the while, some liberal MPs were whining about having to be in the house voting overnight. And it's like, okay, well, service workers have to do that all the time. Uh, you lazy fuck. So just, you know, deal with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like I always talk about federal politics being annoying. This scheme and the reaction to it was also embarrassing. Our federal politicians are just very embarrassing folks. I can't agree with you more um, <laughs> for the most part, you know, um, I, I, I said, I wasn't going to talk about this guy again, um, but I, I can't not uh, at least acknowledge it. Um Ashton Fernando is seeking the conservative nomination for his riding of Scarborough Rouge Park. Are you serious? Yes. Do you know who the current... Um, I, I just want to see That's who the current... That's your department. Yep. <laughs> Scarborough Rouge I sa- Park. I said, I said Scarborough. <laughs> oh, that's... um. Gary and... I, I don't know how you apologize, Gary. I don't know how to say your name. It's liberal, it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a liberal... I know um, former city council candidate Evan Simbazavan. Yeah, he was working for him for a bit after that election. Um, that dude, no, he listen. He's seeking the, the nomination. I'm really hoping that Pierre Polyev doesn't grant it to him or or whomever works on the nominations. But I have to tell you, Pierre, one of the things that. I find upsetting in my mind about the inevitability of the conservative majority government that we probably have coming is some of the candidates that Pierre has like has picked, including um, one on Vancouver Island, um, Aaron Gunn. He's like a propagandist who like, I'm not a fan of him. My brother posts his videos on Facebook. It's very funny. Uh, we got Wyatt Claypool, who's like one of those true North media fuckers. Um, we got Roman Baber, 
who was kicked out of the provincial conservative government yes. uh, for being too extreme. And Pierre's like, cool, you're my team now. And it's like, my man, have a little bit more. There was a reason. What's there was ne- a reason. What's next? Is he going to recruit uh, Randy Hillier? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Very maybe. So, you know what? Ashton Fernando, maybe he's in good company with those fucking assholes. <laughs> I just, uh, I can't. Get I had off. no idea, but you're what a. I feel like it's very opportunistic. It's very just like. It's very Ashton Fernando. It absolutely, yeah. Um, he's not going to listen to our show to find out that we're just like talking shit about him, but fuck that. I'm know. stating facts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're, what are we saying that would be like, are you or are you not running for the federal conservative MP candidate? He's seeking the he's seeking the nomination. I'm just hoping they don't give it to him. We'll. I I can hope. Had no idea. There's nothing you can do about that. We're on the same team, (laughs) one hundred percent. Um, better representation for Scarborough Rouge Park if uh, without him. Um, you know he's been jumping around. He was jumping. He wanted municipally. Then he was thinking provincially. Now federally. I will say this is this is sort of the one other thing that makes me think about the election coming up. All the polls, of course, are showing uh, what seems like an inevitable conservative win. What happens if the conservatives just just recruit a bunch of like dud candidates and they still Does win that... or they don't win? Well, no, I, I think I'm wondering if that hurts their chances. Like if people people are so sick of Justin Trudeau, but then it's like you've got these cultural culture warrior shitheads well here here's and i the just thing. think like here's the thing because we're, we're gonna uh, yeah we're about to disconnect but um the face of the party is all that matters that's the that's, way I yeah see that's it. that's unfortunately very true but anyway uh we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back and we'll see you guys on the other side and we're back and uh as congratulations went out to parthy earlier in the episode Congratulations are also in order now for Bonnie Crombie, the new Ontario Liber- Liberal leader, party leader, I guess. Yes. I will uh, say that's that's essentially the only provincial thing I think that's... Um, oh, actually, there's two provincial things, but one of them is actually intermunicipal thing. So um, now... We'll get there because I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're on the same page. Um, now, just... I signed well, up to be an Ontario liberal uh, against my better judgment. Obviously, I'm not aligned with the liberal party. Uh, I had one very important uh, directive in my mind when I signed up to be an Ontario liberal. And that was very specifically to vote against uh, Bonnie Crombie. So uh, my bad, everyone. Uh, I didn't, I I didn't think... get the vote. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just going to confess that, confess that you voted for Bonnie Crombie. No, 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 no. I just, you know, the window for voting, and I this is like also criticism, part of the process for the Ontario Liberal leadership. The, you know, it was such a long process, like a six-month process, it felt like, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it felt like a very long process, and then there was only a very tight five-hour window to voting. And to me, that's ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. So I just that day, I just happened to 
I mean, and it wasn't important enough for me to like, you know, the obligations that popped up, it wasn't important enough for me to say like, oh, listen, you know, I've got something else planned, you know, so I, I stuck with those obligations instead. Because there was a part of me that realized, you know, I wanted to vote for the Ontario Liberal leader because I didn't want it to be Bonnie Crombie. But at the same time, what am I ever going to vote Ontario Liberal? Hopefully not in the next election. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why why would I vote for them? So, like, why do why does it matter to me if they self-sabotage in my mind with a, a leader that's effectively uh the conservative party with the red coat of paint? You know, um, so I have a question for you, and I've asked you this question before, and it's actually a two part question. The first part I've never asked you before. Does Bonnie Crombie have what it takes to rally the because because I mean, part of the liberal leadership is, in my opinion, is to cut the other contenders down while you rise above. Does she have what it takes to rally the party? together and then does she have what it takes to beat mr ford your thoughts both both are great questions um the thing is even during the leadership race obviously you had the supporters of different leaders you know kind of entering their own microcosm of partisanship and and sniping at each other for like who was the best to be leader and I mean, that's a natural part of these competitions, you know, like I'm not I'm not dissuading anyone from that sort of level of partisan, uh, you know, action. But there was something weird in my mind, you know, like jumping into the federal, but I hope my connection makes sense. You know, we've got the federal conservatives. They've got their slogans, you know, the things they the axe attacks to bring it home, the blah, blah, blahs. I hate political slogans. They're they're just garbage. So it was so weird to have so many people sort of repeat this line of, you know, being an Ontario liberal is back. (laughs) Excuse me? Is it? You need to listen. Is it? Being elected. Being elected. (laughs) Well, first of all, was it ever (laughs) the thing? (laughs) But it's. Like, was it ever cool to be an Ontario liberal? Like, did we ever see, uh, oh my God, Kathleen Wynne as the cool one? No. You know, the queen. <laughs> but she's uh, the cool mom. You know what? Actually, quick, I quick remember story. Hearing- did I, did I, I think I've shared this story before. So I apologize, but I, I think it's relevant here. Um, the first time I ever voted provincially, I voted for Dalton McGinty and, I think it was two thousand and three. Wow! Yeah, I voted for I voted for what, what was his name? Premier Dad was that was that Premier Dad? <laughs> so that's sort of my thing with like Bonnie Crombie, where it's like, is it actually cool to be a liberal? I think we need to have some like, I mean, admittedly, there was a couple of by elections. Uh, so that was Scarborough. The one we just had with Andrea Hazel winning. Um, Scarborough Guildwood. Yes. So that was a liberal victory. And then there was another one that was happening at the same time that was also a liberal pickup. Kanata Carlton. Um, I believe it was Kanata Carlton. Are you sure? Yeah, because we, we covered it, right? We were talking about it. And you're like, 
I'm like, with apologies to Kanata Carlton, we're going to talk about Scarborough Guildwood. And you, and then you said something like, well, actually, let's talk about Kanata Carlton. What the? I thought Kanata Carlton was uh, Lisa McLeod. No, I don't think Listen, so. Listen, that's it, it's irrelevant to the point. There was, we also just had Kitchener Center. Yes. Which went to the Green Party. Amazing. Yeah, incredible. I I, I got to say, Matt, that's got to be the closest party that we have right now to independent in the Ontario legislature. Yeah, but you see, regardless of who's in charge, who's whatever party's in charge, I am firmly against a carbon tax and a Green Party would make sure there is one. And if I was like the richest man on earth, I wouldn't care about the carbon tax. But I'm not. And it hits the lower income people harder than it hits the rich people. What's interesting, though, is what you just said. It's it's both. It's the truth. At the problem with the carbon tax, because the carbon tax, the whole thing, the whole idea behind the carbon tax is that it's supposed to change behaviors. But if it's, you know, but for the rich people. It doesn't matter to them. You know, they just they pay it and they keep going. Correct. So and then we get these reports about how we're not, you know, our our climate commitments are not getting there because because these people, their behavior isn't changing because they don't have to change because, because they're the rich. Exactly. <laughs> so. I would I agree with the sentiment. I mean, I feel like. I don't believe the carbon tax is a perfect tool. I think it has good intentions that people can sidestep with capital. Um, I have, I don't think I've got a, a deeper point than that. No, I think you, I think you nailed it. And even though you and I disagree, we can agree on some, some pieces of it. So that's awesome. I like that. There's, it's not a perfectly implemented thing. And at the exact same time, uh, Justin Trudeau has effectively, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? He shot himself in the foot and he's, he's made his point weaker by doing the, the carve out for the heating gas in the Maritimes mm-hmm. for the carbon tax. Cause again, it's not supposed to be about, you know, making lives harder and more expensive. It's supposed to be about changing behaviors. But when you when you made that exception, you basically said, oh, shit, we're making your life hard. We got to make it. And then, of course, you're going to get all the premiers pissed and be like, well, we want that exception now as well. Like, he really just, he shot the integrity of the carbon tax in the foot by doing that. I agree. Um, so let's, let's talk about the other piece I wanted to talk about with Bonnie Crombie. Oh, okay. She is going to remain as the mayor of Mississauga. Uh, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, at least until the budget is passed. Uh, I think it's early next year. How in the hell can this happen? How can she be both the Ontario? I know she doesn't have a seat because if she had a seat, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But how can she be the Ontario Party Liberal Liberal Party leader and the mayor of Mississauga, one uh, both at the same time, 
And I believe you know she's, is, drawing a, she's drawing a salary for both as well. You know what this is, Matthew? What? This is John Tory 2.0. This is having your cake and eating it too. This is John Tory resigned and was like, I'm going to stick around to do the budget. The budget that would fuck us over for the rest of the year. That's selfish. That's shitty leadership. You you became leader of the Liberal Party. You should have... I think they would actually have... Give them enough time to run a mayoral campaign in Mississauga, have someone elected, and have their very first act as mayor be the budget. Exactly. You know, and I can't help but think this is going to... Shoot! This is going to shoot herself in the foot before she even gets going to challenge Doug Ford. And unfortunately, Merritt Stiles has already shot herself in the foot over Sarah Jama. And we've they're got calling, just, and they're it's calling just a circling Scott, uh, just firing squad in a circle. Everyone shooting themselves in the foot. But Phil, here's the problem: if the NDP can't field a team. If the Liberal Party can't field a team, whether I agree with either one of their policies or not, doesn't matter what I think. That de facto means that Doug Ford will continue to be the premier as long as he wants to be the premier. Holy shit, right? Do they not (laughs) understand what they're doing? It's very, very silly. You You can either be the Liberal the Ontario Liberal Leader Party party leader. Fuck, I can't get that right. Or you can be the mayor of Mississauga, but you can't be both. You gotta choose one. And they will absolutely hammer her on this. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um, she is ha- she's having her cake and eating it too. And it's it's terrible. It's terrible governance. And I'm still I mean, I didn't pay attention to the liberal leadership race. I apologize if people expect us to. That's more Phil's bag. <laughs> um, I, I got to know what's going to be the difference between a Bonnie Crombie government and a Doug Ford government, considering she wants to be right of center. Can you shed any light on that? Like, just one policy, and let's compare Ford versus Crombie. I mean, prior to all the shit going down with the green belt, Crombie seemed like she was also down with that stuff. So what what comes down to what's what's being the most damaging thing currently to this Ontario PC government, the Ontario Liberals would have, by their party position, have been okay with it. I, I just think um, the Ontario, in my mind, the Ontario Liberals made a mistake. But at the same time, there was a, again, I don't know if we've had a, made a statement on polls. Polls, they're not lying to you, but they're very interesting. They're snapshots in time. I find it so weird that as soon as Bonnie Crombie got elected, there was a poll that put the Liberal, the Ontario Liberals almost as high as the Ontario Conservatives. And that's insane to me. I can't imagine there's actually an appetite for Bonnie Crombie in the province, but I, I think I might just be out of whack with the rest of the province. Maybe I don't understand. What pisses me off is there should be a morals clause for every <laughs> politician. Like, can we get some good fucking politicians? I mean, is that too much to ask? I think that's a weird thing. I really, 
you want there to be honest and good people who who are working for their constituents. Instead, we have it really does feel like bad actors who want to take advantage of the government. It's just it just bothers me, you know, she may think that she's holding out and doing good by waiting until the budget passes, but look at what that did for John Tory. Fucking nothing. He was so gung-ho on paying for the gardener, and now the gardener is not his problem anymore. But we lost all that money. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Before we get to that, I wanted to talk about one more thing provincially. I wanted to talk about Doug Ford changing his mind on dissolving Peel region. Mm. If you have some thoughts, I have some thoughts and we can compare notes. Matthew, I really would like your lead on this because I just think it's weird. I thought the initial decision was weird. I think this reversal is weird. I don't get it. So I, I am actually looking for your perspective here. So I was all for the dissolution because to be honest with you, Mississauga is such a big city by itself. And the way I understand it, and again, anyone can correct me if I'm wrong. Mississauga uh, pays the most money or and doesn't get their fair share. Um, and, you know, you know, Kaladin is the the redheaded stepchild in the whole deal. They don't. <laughs> they're they're well Brampton and Mississauga are slugging it out in the main event of the boxing match. Kaladin's just left off to the side. Um to be honest with you, I would I would love to see the di- the dissolution. And and actually, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, when when Toronto did Mega City and we combined everything, I think that should happen again. I think we should include Mississauga and Brampton, maybe Caledon, um, and and Pickering Hill, Pickering, Pickering and Vaughn and Markham, and make it. We'll still it'll still be Toronto, but it'll be the GTA, or whatever you want to call it. You know, and then so huge, it would be. But then we could get rid of all the different mayors, some we don't like, C. Patrick Brown, for example, um. And I don't know. I just think it might be better. The dissolution, because, I I mean, I don't know how much you know about Peel Region. So they have city councillors for multiple wards, the way I understand it. Plus, they have regional councillors. So Mm -hmm. if something gets passed in in the local councillor chamber, then it goes to the regional councillor for final approval. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. There's two different budgets for do, and you don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with what's under the local councilors' purview and what's under the regional councilors' purview. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So splitting them up actually makes the most sense to me, even though I'm an outsider and I don't understand a lot of it. I think splitting them up would be great. But now Doug Ford is doing a reversal. Um, I, I think that Bonnie Crombie wanted to go through with it. I think Patrick Brown was the same. 
Um, we don't hear from Kaladin. Nobody gives. I don't know why nobody gives a shit about Kaladin. Why they're not talking to uh, Mayor Annette Groves about uh, about the situation? The yeah. I mean, coming at it with the position that uh, Mississauga technically has the worst deal as a conglomerate city uh, where they're paying the most and getting the least services in return. I imagine because it's a a factor of kind of averaging out the the different municipalities. Kaladin, I imagine, is the one technically technically getting the sweet deal by being there. I assume they're the smallest. And so they'd essentially be paying the smallest tax base to get the the best services average between the municipalities. Right. Sure. So I mean, I imagine they're probably they're probably happy with the current situation or at least you know they're probably they're probably happy that they don't have to go through the process of dissolution do you think this is going to be an ongoing issue maybe he maybe he might change his mind again i think if i had a if i had a better understanding of why he wanted to do it in the first place and why he's reversing his decision i guess i'd be able to like kind of give a better insight into if i think if I think it's something that you might come back to, unless it's I guess, a case of, I guess what I'm asking is, is his decision to either dissolve it or changing his mind away from dissolving it. Is it politically motivated? I mean, of course it's always, it's always politics. And just the fact that he made a decision and is stepping back from it, that's politics as well. The problem just being that I, I don't know what those, what those politics are in favor or, rather in practice here um but yeah I, I wish i just understood what was happening more here like what the mechanisms are behind it all i guess it's fair to say uh if bonnie crombie becomes premier her first order of business is to dissolve peel region you know and in my mind the, the sort of in my mind the terrible thing that happens with the the federal and provincial kind of in Ontario is that we tend to be the opposite of what the federal government is. So if we get a conservative federal government, just, you know, by patterns, not this isn't real political insight, but just patterns. Um, if we get a federal conservative government, it seems like we're going to get a provincial liberal government, this provincial right of center government which just makes me think we're in for a fucking nightmare (laughs) um one last thing i wanted to cover so bonnie crombie is mulling over whether or not to run for a seat or wait till the 2026 general election what do you think uh i i don't know do you think she'll run before that or has she publicly promise not to run until 2026 maybe that's why she's still the mayor of mississauga here's what's what's frustrating to me about this situation is electing a leader who doesn't have a seat that means when it comes time for an election they're pretty much guaranteed to be parachute candidates which sort of what it's what happened with uh, Jagmeet Singh when he became the federal NDP leader. Like he was from Ontario. He was an Ontario MPP. And now he's the MP for um, 
uh, someplace in South BC. You know what I mean? Is it Surrey? Is he the MP for Surrey? I think I think maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd be surprised um, if he could name four or five streets in Surrey. Right? Doesn't that like you and I? I think we both have our stance on representation is supposed to be local and representative of exactly. the people who live there. So it's, I would, it's embarrassing. I feel like for for Bonnie to basically wait and to pick and choose. Her seat, honestly, I think her seat should be in Mississauga, but at this point, you can't pick and choose. No, you can't. Um, I think that's that's it provincially, unless you had something you wanted to. I know the other thing. I know that we're gonna get to that in the in the next uh, segment. But anything else? Uh, this would I think just this so we're our... just so we're clear. I am talk- I am referring to Ontario Place. Yeah, 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 yeah. In case yeah, yeah. that's the thing you um, were referring to. I, I assume we're on the same page of this being a, a segment on the Toronto's New Deal. Well, yes, we're going to get to that. But, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, Olivia Chow is, she's not doing it for me, Phil. This is what I was afraid of. You know, Again, I come from the sports world. I baseball was my favorite sport is my favorite sport, not was, is. And I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase three strikes and you're out. Well, three strikes. She's out. See. Would you like to go well, over the three? Oh, no, I'll let you I'll let you uh comment on that and then we'll go over the three strikes. Now I'm wondering. Is your last strike this new deal situation? Yes. Interesting. Um, Olivia Chow, I feel like has... One of the things that she's done is very early on, in my mind, she has made an attempt to fix some of the visual problems with the city. And by that, I mean how with John Tory, we let um, cars kind of do what they want. Uh, garbages overflowing, all that shit. So I feel like Olivia Chow has sort of mobilized like the garbage pickup. So that's been better. They've mobilized more uh, police at these crucial intersections that like trap the King Streetcar, for example. So she's doing, she's doing some stuff visually. That's like, oh, we have a mayor that wants to work again. But then we've also got. Um, the encampment clearing at St. Stephen's, I believe that was a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is just that's just John Tory shit. That's just more John Tory shit. You're, you're just you're just trampling all over my strikes. I'm so sorry. Is that was that strike number two? Yes. You know what? So, then I apologize, Matthew. Let's hear your Olivia Chow strikes. So the first strike was uh, whether or not it was policy that you had to do it or whatever. Within the first week, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but she used the strong mayor powers. Something she said, she yes, she did. Something she said she would never do. And that's my problem with Olivia Chow. I agree with you. Her actions are 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 good. The problem is, is that it doesn't match up with what she's saying. She's that's right. Saying yeah. One thing she's talking out out of both sides of her mouth. She said she would never use the strong mayor powers. People voted on her for maybe for that 
reason alone, she used them. She said, "There." Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Anybody, not just Phil. Anybody that hears within the sound of my voice, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. She said, under her watch, there would be no encampment clearings. Period. And as you just alluded to, there was an encampment clearing at I think you said it was St. Stephen's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that's right. Strike two. The third thing she said she would not waver on the on her position for Ontario Place, and even though I think it's it's a good deal, even though I think that, and I'm sure a lot of people think it's a great deal. I don't know how you feel about it. It's not what she said. Very she, true. She's doing, and, and and so that leads to me to to ask myself the question. What else is she doing that we don't know about? Because maybe she said other things. What else is there? And when are we going to find out? And this is what I don't like about politicians. I, I don't, I know it happens a lot. It's not an anomaly. You know, Olivia Chow has not created this. She's just the latest in the long line of it. But this was supposed to be a fresh change, a fresh start for Toronto, a, a change, not change for change sake, change because John Tory is the worst mayor in Toronto history, and I'm 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 comfortable saying that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on my three strikes, and then if you want, uh, uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break, and then we can come back and wrap it up and talk about the the Ontario Place deal. Go go ahead, Phil. Um, with the exception of your first strike, and only because I I can't think of what the instance of her using the strong mayor power it, is. Uh, it I don't remember what it was for, but it was in um, what's the guy's name? City Watcher guy. Either. It was it was in his tweets the first the first week or two she was the mayor. He said in order to do this, she used her strong mayor powers. I can't remember what it was for, but she did use them. The main thing is that I, I fundamentally agree with you on the encampment clearings, which was we witnessed these very violent, very destructive clearings under John Tory. And so many people said, well, I say so many people said we're done with that. At the same time, we did reelect John Tory to a Do third term. Um, but yeah, it seems clear that we elected Olivia Chow because we were hoping for a a kinder administration and it's that's the same shit you know and it's as as far as like um and the thing is the ontario place deal i there's a part of me i felt like it was too short notice i was tempted to text you to ask if i should ask um on Twitter, uh, Norm Tipasquale to like join us, uh, to talk about the the deal because I feel like it's 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 not the deal itself. I feel like it's it's quite loaded, not necessarily negatively, although there is a lot of negative to it. But it's it's just it's a huge mixed bag. This this deal for the city, absolutely. Um, you know, this this deal. Some might argue that it was inevitable. Maybe 
maybe Doug Ford was just waiting for the right place, right time. You know, he did strike out at, 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 um, on the green belt. Maybe this was his way of making sure that something happened uh, for his administration. Now, I believe that the the responsibility for the DVP and the gardener should have never left the the Ontario government to begin with. And we can blame ding, ding, ding. Guess who? Mike Harris for that. But the blame where it belongs. Um, so, I mean, we've been responsible. And I didn't actually, I didn't remember that. I mean, I was just a little, not a little kid, but I was like a teenager when Mike Harris was in office. So, but anyway, <clears throat> this is, this is what I'm afraid, I, I was afraid of with, uh, with Olivia Chow. And this is not a strike against her. I'm not out to get her. Nothing like that. I just disagree with her politics. This is why I didn't endorse her. This is what I was afraid of. And I'm afraid it's going to continue. And people Matthew, like... Can I ask you, because I, I forgot. Do you remember who you endorsed? at the For the by-election? Yeah. I believe I endorsed Chloe Brown. Oh, yeah, because we know this shit wouldn't happen with Chloe. That's correct. And let's go. Let's talk about the encampment specifically for one for one minute. Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong. St. Stephen's is a church. So that would be considered private property. Yeah. So was it the city's decision to do the encampment or was it the church? That's a very good question. Because but I'm it not excusing like, it. I'm just I'm just no no, no. I, I understand what you're saying completely. For some reason I was under the impression that the church was supportive of them. Although I guess if they were supportive of them, wouldn't they let them inside the church? I don't know. I just I hate encampment I hate the fact that we have to have encampments to begin with. And housing should be a human right. And I know that sounds like a I don't know if it's a hard NDP. You're a commie. Uh, You're a freaking commie. <laughs> housing, <Matthew. laughs> housing should be a, a human right. We shouldn't have encampments, but we do. So why, why, why are we clearing them? They're nice little communities. I've, you know, there's one that I drive by. I think I've told you this. I think it's Lamport. It's on Frazier uh, off of King Street. And I've never... Uh, Granted, when I drive by, I'm doing like 30 or 40, so I'm it's a quick glance. I've yeah, it's visual, not like observational. Exactly. I've never seen a fight. I've never seen a disagreement. I've never seen like it seems like a I hate to use the word community, but it seems like a nice little community there. I just wish they they all had housing. Um I agree. they seem they seem to all get along there. Um, if anyone's listening from there, shout out, um, you know, it just, it just bothers the shit out of me. And I wish there was something that we can do, but we, there's only something we can do every four years and that's vote. That's why voting is important. That's why you cannot bitch if you do not vote. That's why everyone should vote. And, and matter of fact, this is where you and I, I think you and I would disagree on this, where I would push for mandatory voting. I I definitely I w I wouldn't push for that. I would definitely 
my push would be to make voting as convenient as easy as possible. So it already is. is. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah, you got a good point. It. I don't know. I I guess when it comes when it comes down to being mandatory. I wonder. I just maybe I feel like that's a bridge too far. Maybe mandatory is the wrong word. It's just when I talk about about the election, any election, federal, provincial, municipal, doesn't matter. You know, with the people that don't vote, I always get the same argument. What's the point? It's only one vote. And whoever gets in, they're just going to do what they want anyway. That's the number one. I don't know if you hear anything else when you uh, have these conversations with people, but that is what I hear almost every single time. What about you? Politics is hard, man. It's very, it's very hard. Very, honestly, um, it, it's a hard job. But if you're gonna say something, you you stick to it. I, I'm very big on that. You know, I'm very big on not only going through with what I say, but also sticking to what I say. I just hate that. Um, and of course, we're going to have a little bit more to talk about. Uh, I've, I'm not done with Olivia Chow, not by a long shot. Uh, but we are going to be back uh, after we take a short break. We'll see you guys on the other side. And we're back and we're talking about Olivia Chow. Um, you know, she's been mayor what, six months. I had hope again. I was, I mean, I'm just recapping. I had hope and I, I, I honestly wanted better than we had better than John Tory. I still think she is better than, than John Tory. My only gripe is that I would like her to do what she says she's going to do. If she doesn't want to do those things, she should have never said them in the first place. Um, one quick thing before we talk about the more about the deal. Uh, did you happen to see the news a couple days ago? I think it was Friday, uh, where she was at the intersection of I think it was was it King and University. Oh, I think I saw those. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny because she has no interest. Again, I'm not. She had no interest in being on the police board. But yet to direct the police to enforce the traffic laws. You know what? That's a very good point. I had thought about that. You know, her declining to be on the police board felt very symbolic. Like I understood it from a from an anti-police perspective, but at the same time, we elected her to be the executive that I mean, maybe we were hoping to rein in police stuff. So why why wouldn't we want her on that police board? And listen, as a delivery driver who drives downtown, who has driven in the intersection of King and University, <clears throat> you have Adelaide shut down. You have parts of Richmond shut down. University uh, 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 north of Adelaide is a fucking nightmare. Uh, front street sometimes there's filming going on even even little streets like uh, Blue Jays Way which turns into Peter Street is messed up 
I mean, I could go on. There are more streets that are having issues. I could understand drivers going straight through the intersection at King and University. I actually think it's stupid that you can't go straight because if you have to go on University or sorry, if you have to go on Adelaide, we'll use Adelaide for 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 or no, it's King. What am I saying? If you have to go on King, but you 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 can't go through the intersection, that means you have two choices. One, you can go and turn onto University, go along Front Street, and either go up Bay or Young, depending on where you have to go on Adelaide to get to where you need to go. <clears throat> or you can turn um, right, uh, sorry, left, and go up University and either turn on Queen or Dundas, depending on, again, where you need to go to get to Bay or Young or wherever it is that you need to go. I think it's ridiculous um, the amount of traffic that's downtown. And so then to, to choose Friday to enforce the, the laws, I think is ridiculous. And, and I saw the, they were wearing jackets, the cops, and they were the back of the jacket said transit or traffic enforcement officer. I don't know. Um, you're not a driver, but I still value your opinion. I'd love to hear what you have to think. I have to think, though, that traffic control is not a part of your specific job is, uh, where, where you uh, work. No. Um, I've, I want them to enforce that stuff on King because, I mean, that it's all been very silly, that whole transit corridor. It's supposed to be transit priority so that it keeps the streetcars moving. But then, you know, cars get into those lanes and it, it stops the streetcars. And then, like, a few weeks back, we had a, a police officer ticket a streetcar driver, which is just I heard so about ridiculous. That. I heard about yeah. that. Um, so uh, I feel like this stuff needs to happen. But at the same time, it's it's difficult due to the nature of all the, con- as, as you said, all the construction going on downtown. It does feel as if there's certainly not a planned nature in terms of how people are supposed to get around. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. And, and it, I wasn't, I didn't get to hear Olivia Chow's comments. Uh, obviously she was at the intersection and it was really weird the way, cause there was a camera in the back filming the camera crew while she wandered around the intersection, which is a little weird, but anyway, I didn't get to hear the comments, so I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing thing or if this was like a one-day blitz. Mm. So I'd be interested uh, to know that. I'm hoping it's ongoing because I'm so sick of the city's blitzes. <laughs> you know, um, let's fix it once. No, no. We want systemic fix. You know? So, you- so can I ask a question? Yes. This, oh, I guess we're calling it a blitz. This blitz. Was it John Tory esque? Uh, no, because it accomplished something. <laughs> oh, one last gut punch. 
<laughs> oh, listen, I can, I can go forever. I, um, the, my, there's a lot to this deal, to be perfectly honest, both good and bad, but I did very much so minimize it when I saw a tweet from our former mayor, John Tory, congratulating Olivia Chow and Doug Ford on this deal. And all I, I retweeted him. I mean, my basic thought was to tell him to go fuck himself, to shut the fuck up. This isn't your city anymore. We don't care about your opinion. Uh, at the same time, I really, truly minimized it by saying, um, if you want to know if this is a good or a bad deal, uh, John Tory congratulated you. I think you know if it's a bad deal. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. I don't... Uh... I, I'm I'm speechless because he it's not like he tried to do it or or maybe I'm wrong and he did. <laughs> um You mean I, the deal? I, yeah. We're, that's what we're talking about, right? I well I think it has to be a relatively new thing because uh he had sort of you know, when he was third term mayor, as brief as that was <laughs> Like he had briefly talked about the idea of uh tolling the DVP. Or sorry, it was tolling the gardener, right? Not the yes. DVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. I I associate them together. They're different. I know they are. Uh and of course Doug Ford immediately shot that down. So I think at that point it was like uh there was no intention for this to happen. So there is there is a positive element, of course, for the province taking over the gardener and the DVP, which is on our financial end for repair. It's no longer our responsibility financially for the city. This is huge. Like, as far as I understand it, this is a very good thing for the city. My only downside is, while Matthew, when we talked about consistently uh, both through the election, uh, the last, sorry, the last municipal election, 2022, and the mayoral by-election, we talked about uh, the gardener uh, take, ripping it down. Uh, only part of that was financial. Now, to have the province take that off her hands is, again, huge. Now, the other aspect of it, now, I do assume, Matt, that you'll disagree with me, but I'll... I will throw it in regardless is the environmental aspect of we do. I say we that's, it's a very specific we that's not a Royal. We, this is more, I, I want to say like leftist ideology. Uh, we want there to be less car dependence. Uh, you know, we want increased uh, alternative transportation, like cycling, like public transit, because we want less people polluting with individual cars. It's not banning cars. It's not looking to ban cars. But that's the other side of the Gardner coin, of the, the rip down. It wasn't just the financial aspect of it. There was also the climate aspect of it. But it is very good that we no longer have the financial aspect on the city's plate. But it also means that it's no because it's no longer our purview, we don't really get a say. And I mean, it's going to be rebuilt. That's not a big. Uh, that's not a big surprise. Uh, the big surprise would ever would, would be ever seeing Doug Ford on a bicycle, 
Yeah, that's <laughs> never going to happen. So, Oh, my God. No, not true. Matthew, you need to see a few years back. There's a, a TVO. I think it was TVO, a little special. It was actually very cute with Jagmeet saying, I'm pretty sure this was before he was federal leader of the NDP and Doug Ford. And they had this video where um, I guess the idea was sort of like uh, Doug Ford would take Jagmeet Singh and they'd have a day doing kind of like we're in the car, we're, we're living our life here. And then they do the Jagmeet Singh style and they go on bikes. They have Doug Ford riding on a bike with him. It's very funny. It's very cute in its own like little. You got to send me that. I'll I'll find it and I'll send it to you. So believe it or not, Doug Ford can't be caught on a bike because wow. he has been. My second question <coughs> or <clears throat> my second, I guess, point of contention would be what happens to the money the city's already sunk into the the gardener specifically? Oh, that's as you know what? I I say this as if I have confidence that this is the answer. I could be wrong, but my assumption is simply that that's money spent that's gone. So we're still screwed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we are we are still screwed. It's it's again, as I said, it's great that it's no longer on our plate to pay for. We aren't getting anything back for the work we put into it since being downloaded onto us with Mike Harris. I think that's uh, a rough reality. So you're the lefty in this in this uh, partnership. Absolutely. How do you feel about the fact that she's from my point of view, from what she said? And if we're going to hold her to what comes out of her mouth, how do you feel about the fact that she sold Ontario Place for? getting rid of the gardener and DV- DVP. See, and I, I feel like I really would have liked to have had Norman for this conversation. I Cause it's, I feel like it's very multifaceted. This is definitely a, this is definitely a deal in every sense of the word. Like it's, it's, you have to give up something to get something. And this is definitely Olivia Chow giving up Ontario place. And that's very, it's unfortunate. It's very shameful. Um, No, I'm not happy about it. Uh, She made it a campaign position that she wanted to protect Ontario place. It's, it's the devil in the details of political maneuvering. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's a tough decision to make. Very easy to feel betrayed. Let me ask you something. If she had said in her campaign, I'm willing to make a deal. If if Doug Ford offers me the right deal, you know, she wouldn't say this, but fuck Ontario Place. And then at least when this deal comes out, she can say, uh-huh, I said fuck Ontario Place. There you go. <laughs> right? The I don't problem- even- the problem is it's what's coming out of her mouth yes. versus what she's doing, what she's actually accomplishing. Well, that's fair because at the same time, there would not be this outrage with this deal right now if Anna Bailau signed it because it's effectively it was effectively what Anna Bailau wanted to do. She was and, uh, Listen, for people that don't like Anna Bailau, at least she was honest about what she was going to do. 
Now, I do want a, a small pushback. Okay. There was one aspect that I thought was particularly dishonest from Anna Bailao. And just because it happened now, uh, sorry, I'll get to what I mean in a moment, uh, doesn't mean that was the case when she brought it up. And by that, I mean, she was talking about uploading the Gardener and uploading the GVP, and she was making this statement as the premier was saying, that's not going to happen. So I felt like that was dishonest of her while she was campaigning because the premier at that point had basically vetoed the idea. So, I mean. Well, it wouldn't be a, a municipal election without interference from the premier. Well, so actually, now that I've said it like that, it occurs to me, um, if it were Mayor Bailao, she probably would have just done the deal like they would have given the province Ontario place for nothing. We probably wouldn't have gotten the DVP and Gardner upload if it weren't for Olivia Chow. I feel like that's the thing that makes it that's so a good point. hard. That's a good uh, point. <laughs> like, because Anna Bailao was already, you know, open to Ontario place going to the the province and the science you know, center. Oh, it, oh, we could, we could, uh, the science center. What a fucking shit show. Uh, the business case, the business case for the science center. Uh, I've joked about this twice on Twitter. So if, if you follow me and you see me make this joke, yeah, I'm going to repeat it. It's simply the parks and rec Ron Swanson uh, piece of paper. When he says, don't worry, I have a permit. He pulls out this piece of paper that simply says I could do what I want. <laughs> That's what it was. Uh, so. Going forward now, we're going to have to deal with... I guess Therm is, is going to get... Uh, I wonder when construction is going to start. Uh, I have seen some pictures of some tree clearing this weekend. Really? I, I, I got to wonder, like... How many people are going to be uh, going to be able to afford to go to this fucking world-renowned spa... It makes it sound who, like it's it's who it's, is clamoring for it? Who is so desperate to be like waterfront spa, smaller science center away from the suburbs, which was like the one draw of you know east of downtown. You're taking it away. Like it's it's so much, so much uh there's so much about this deal that I hate. I mean, what's next? They're gonna put a subway stop at, uh, there. There was Matthew. The the Ontario line, they put a stop at the science center. No, it's I'm called talking... science. No, no, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just. No, no I a see because of... I drive by it, and it I'm, says I'm adding my own contention. Center. Science center station. So somewhere over this weekend, someone asked if you know if they were to name something for John Tory, what they should do, and I and I said, well, I guess the science center station because it's not going to be the science center station anymore. Um. Real quickly, I wanted to. I, we're gonna throw this part in uh, before we. Uh, I know you have one thing you wanted to talk about. <clears throat> Any pushback from you as you on this podcast? You represent the left. I hope you know that, and I represent. Mm, I guess everyone else, even though <laughs> I don't. I listen. Do you the, consider yourself independent? Listen, the extreme uh, right wingers. I. I don't fuck with those people. I don't represent them. Nothing against you guys, but I just don't. Anyway, 
Um, do, do you think there it's correct to have pushback on Olivia Chow saying that she is open to renaming one of the fields uh, after Rob Ford at Centennial Park? So, I mean, it's this it's interesting because this goes back to a conversation really that that you had had a, a while back regarding the Dundas Street renaming uh, and more in terms of who do we celebrate now and who will we vilify in the future? And even even right now, I mean you have a more positive perspective of Rob Ford than a lot of people. I have a very, not even particularly, I have a mix. Rob Ford is a fun character all around, you know, to talk the about. Problem, I think the problem is you have, do, do you have an issue where you don't know where Rob Ford ends and Doug Ford begins? Is that, oh, is I mean, that, that's, is that part of it? No, I was just, um, I was more like what you were saying with the Dundas street yeah. renaming where it's like, you know, Obviously, it was named Dundas because at that point, it was a person that we celebrated, someone we wanted to celebrate, and now we're choosing, we're changing our mind, we're deciding that we don't want to celebrate them anymore. But Phil, and that's not... something that, isn't that something that you said? Yeah, but I also made the point that it's called Dundas Street, not he- not Henry Dundas Street. Oh, fair. True. Good point. Good point. Good point. But this is going to be called the Rob Ford Field or Rob Ford Stadium or or whatever I'm not even exactly sure if it's if it's a baseball field or a um, something inside. I know it's in Centennial Park. That's all I do know. Um, I, I'm surprised that Olivia Chow would be open to that. I know that she was a big, uh, big advocate for getting rid of Doug Ford in 2014. I mean, that's why she ran against him. Anyway. I think it's like I think that's just her. I don't think it's any deeper than her signaling a pseudo, I want to say a friendly kind of relationship with the premier where she doesn't want to be, she doesn't not, I'm not saying I agree with this, but it seems to me like she doesn't like the, the impression was, and I mean, Doug Ford said it prior to her election that in his opinion, her getting elected would be, you know, this disastrous thing. I think this is Olivia Chow trying to make it an amenable relationship as possible. It's like, you know, we didn't agree with your brother, but I mean, he was our mayor. He died. Um, You know, it's very important, you know, and there are people, there are people who still hold Rob Ford in, in high regard. He is a Toronto icon. I mean, he's a character really. Absolutely. Um, Only Toronto mayor to ever be on, uh, was it the tonight? No, it wasn't the tonight show. The late Jimmy show Kimmel? with uh, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, so I I I feel like this is Olivia Chow being a bit pragmatic. I don't see it as like a genuine like I love Rob Ford so much. It does seem confusing that this was a a position led by uh, our nightmare counselor Ainsley, and I do understand that he voted against something very similar in twenty seventeen. But maybe that was it was like too soon where it's like maybe at the point we're at, it's like we're more open to the idea of. Not that I agree, I don't think we should celebrate the man, but, you know, maybe it makes more sense, you know, 
eight years down the road as opposed to, you know, two years later to to get the ball rolling on a memorial thing. Absolutely. And with that, uh, I know that you had something you wanted to talk about. So I'm going to give you the floor for our, I guess, quote unquote, main event. Go ahead. All right. And this it's really just it's the finishing thought of. Uh, so we learned about a huge amount of layoffs with CBC radio. I believe that's mostly in Quebec. Now, we have to care about public broadcasting because for a lot of people who don't have money, this is how they get news, our public broadcaster. So in my mind, they are important for us to have. And then you come on and do this very arrogant, you know, job layoffs are so shitty. You know, they destroy people's lives. Um, it ruins the fabric of... It just shows us that we are controlled by money. I mean, by corporations. And then Catherine Tate, the head of the CBC, did an interview where basically they were asked, you know, following this huge amount of layoffs you know, our executive bonus is still in the cards. The answer should be no. But the problem is we live in the real world where, you know what, that executive compensation was probably based on how many people they laid off. I I think I'm just, I just want to vilify this, this, this fucking bullshit. Oh, and let's not forget that CBC, correct me if I'm wrong, it's government funded. It's government, listen, um, I, I don't want to vilify them for being government funded as a lot of other people do. That's what allows us to have, uh, you know, this media but my, without no, but, but outside funding. Like, concern, no, I, my sorry. point is, my point is it's government funded. It's, it's an open checkbook. Yeah. So why are you fire? Why are you laying people off? There you go. Uh, and it's just, it's disgusting. It's, I, I don't have a deeper deeper question about this Matthew it's just that's my position on the uh layoffs and executive bonuses and that's I feel that way about executive bonuses universally it's they need their workers to have a business but they the workers are the first on the chopping block they get paid the least they put in all the risk while you know leadership, reaps the rewards unfortunately you are correct i again no deeper thoughts it's just i wish i had something i wish i had something to add but to be honest with you this news took me by surprise uh this is the first i'm hearing of it um i never like to hear about layoffs whether it's you know a private company or a public company or whatever the situation is i I hate layoffs you know especially this time of year. I mean, Christmas yeah. is coming. Yeah. Up. It was, I'm pretty sure it was like December 1st. So before we announced, before we get to, uh, I, I have a little bit. I wanted to talk about Christmas. I want to give shout outs to a few counselors and I want to announce a poll. We're going to be doing. And in two weeks, we're going to reveal the winner. So here's what, Ooh. here's what I'm going to do. I want to give shout outs to our nightmare, uh, ward, 24 counselor Paul Ainsley. Uh, I want to give a shout out to award 20. Is it 23? 23 counselor 
Um, Jamal Myers. I want to give a shout out to Ward 7 counselor Anthony Perusa. I want to give a shout out to Ward 3 counselor Amber Morley. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Ward 10 counselor. Help me out. Osma Malik. Osma Malik. Um, I've seen a lot of positive things on Twitter. No, I don't live on Twitter. Uh, they were That's more me. ranging from events. I saw one where uh, Jamal Myers was, was doing a little line dancing. I don't know if you saw that. I've seen quite a few of these new counselors doing a lot of family-oriented events. Community outreach. Yes, exactly right. And it's something that I very much noticed because... That was something that we did not have with Gary Crawford very specifically. So that's a good shout out. They're doing Absolutely. good stuff. Good work. And, and with that, we're going to put up two polls for the end of year. Something that I've been wanting to do, waited to the end of the year. So uh, the municipals is going to throw nominations out right now for Ooh. counselor of the year and mayor of the year. Oh, yeah, very interesting. Okay. We're going to have three choices uh, per category, and I'm going to throw it up on Twitter. Olivia Chow versus so, John Tory. No, no, hold on. So <laughs> so let's do the mayor one because that's easy, right? You're going to nominate Olivia Chow. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to nominate. Oh, no, I don't like him. Um... <laughs> I'm going to nominate, and this is not uh, this is not a family discount kind of thing, but I'm going to nominate Caledon Mayor Annette Groves. Your go. You you can have another one. Oh, for for Ontario mayors. For, for yeah, for mayor. Right. You know what? Uh, actually, then no, no, I've got get... a perfect one. Actually, can we nominate Cam Guthrie? I that was yeah. I was that was who Cam. you were going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cam's a good guy. So when this episode is dropped, uh, if you're hearing this right now, you're going to be able to go on Twitter, look up the municipals, find the the um, poll, and vote on it. And we will uh, we will tell you who the winner is um, in two weeks. I'll have this up uh, later this week. Counselor of the year. I'm going to nominate Jamal Myers. Solid choice. Your go. Um, I feel like I'm consistently impressed with uh, Alejandra Bravo, Counselor Bravo. Um, you know what? I'm putting okay. up Bravo, Counselor Bravo. And because we can't ignore him, and he's such a great, great person. I'd like to nominate the Nightmare, Paul Ainsley, as the third choice. So you got some Scarborough representation. Hell yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. Double. So um, those will be up. You guys vote on them, and we'll uh, release the results in about two weeks before we go on our Christmas break. Hell yeah. Now, uh, I think... I think that today was was a good show. Before we uh, part with our audience, we said if you guys write to us, if you tweet us, 
you know, we'll read it on the air. And we have that very um, ple- uh, distinct pleasure tonight. Uh, so from a guy uh, calling himself Brosmite 4, he's at BroHamilton04. I don't know if you know who that is. I don't, but I love I love the handle. Uh, he said, because uh, I, I released our last two shows late. Uh, again, sorry guys. <clears throat> Phil and I both have lives, so I apologize. Not not to say that this podcast is not a priority; it definitely is. But you know, we have lives, we have jobs, we have families, and sometimes stuff falls through the cracks. So, but we're getting better at it. Uh, he writes, "Excellent podcast Tuesday." By the way, Rick Leary was not, and he's got "not" in capital word in a capital like in capital letters. Uh, not on vacation when the board meeting took place. <laughs> uh, I didn't think he was on. I The reason I stated that on the show was because uh, I believe that was um, either the guy who was asking him questions or it was Brian Lilly in his article. That's why I said that. I I only repeated the source. Uh, if I was mistaken, I apologize. I, as I said, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, and I'll admit it. I'll eat that. You know, I'm a big believer in telling the truth and sticking to what you're going to say. And if I don't do it, call me on it. <clears throat> anyway, I think we're good here. So, uh, to our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. You know, we got a rash of people this week have been catching up on our new shows from the u.s i want to thank all of our u.s audience it blows me away i was talking to a friend the other day and i'm like do you realize we have listeners in the philippines in india and in pakistan that listen to toronto municipal politics and it just blows my mind all right so for phil and for myself thank you guys so much for listening it's been a blast and we will see you next time with a fresh new episode this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. Multiple-